Good morning, Cross Point Coast. It's Pastor Jeremiah, and I would just want to take a moment to speak with you this morning, hopefully a word of encouragement as we have this hurricane moving our way this morning. I do truly hope that all of you are well and that your households are cared for, as well as your neighborhood and others that we love and care about uh, this morning. I just want to take a moment really to do three things this morning to address the households of Cross Point Coast. The first is I would like to spend just a moment in reading the scriptures. I want to spend a moment reading from 1 Peter. It's the passage actually that we uh, spent time on in, at Easter in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, after spending a few moments in the Word together, I just want to offer an encouragement. Um, we're going to take a break this morning from actually uh, having a sermon. We're going to hold off on continuing our sermon series in 2 Corinthians until next Sunday when we're able to gather again, as well as have the live stream up and running. Uh, really, next week's a very important week. It's really the crooks of the letter of 2 Corinthians. So we want to make sure that we have the church together as much as we can in order to be able to spend time there in 2 Corinthians. But this morning, I just want to spend a little time offering a word of encouragement to the church. Uh, I also then want to wrap up our time by spending just a few moments in prayer. We're going to have a little time of guided prayer for the households, uh, walking through the Lord's Prayer together. So just a very simple and short time to spend together this morning. Again, like I said, I want to open our time by looking at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while it is necessary you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that even if we must go through trials in this time, we know it is for the tested genuineness of our faith. And we are expectant that there is an inheritance for the saints that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfaded, kept in heaven for us. So Lord, this morning we have a great cause for hope. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would care for your church this morning. We just ask for your blessing, for your kindness, for your safety and your comfort, and also, Lord, for your sanctifying work to be done among us, that we would discover 
not only your kindness to us in these days, but also your transforming grace that we would be faithful in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and in our workplaces. We'd be faithful in the work that you have given to us, the mission of pointing our communities to Jesus Christ, that we would be faithful in making disciples. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your good name. Amen. At Cross Point Coast, you know that we prioritize the word, and so I don't want to pretend like what I'm sharing in these few moments is a proper sermon. Rather, I hope that it's something more like a, a faithful reflection. It's simply a pastor wanting to talk to his church. And so if I, I gave a, a title to this, what the reflection that I want to offer this morning would be something like, Shut Her Up and Hunker Down. It wasn't a long time ago that I didn't really know what that meant, but almost a decade into living here in Florida, over eight years here on the coast, have taught me the well-trodden routine of shut her up and hunker down. It works. It's a familiar, helpful, proven pattern. It goes something like this. You watch the news as the swirling mass is coming closer, you listen to longtime Floridians talk about things like wobbles and how this thing almost always goes back out to sea. Then you have others who remember and recount a list of hurricanes, each by name, and the damage to their homes and to their neighborhoods. Then you make the obligatory trip to BJ's and Walmart and Home Depot and Lowe's. And you make the decision somewhere around Category 1 and Category 2 predictions to put up the shutters. Then you fill a couple five-gallon buckets for flushing, and you check how much meat is in the freezer and plan for a hurricane block party after the storm when all the humidity has been sucked out of the air, and it's really quite nice outside. Now, as the first rains are predicted to reach Brevard County sometime in the evening, we put up those last set of shutters and close the door like the final moments before embarking on the journey of Noah's Ark. Now, all the family is home, the house is dark, and we think to ourselves, now that everyone is safe and we've done all that we can, it's time for the final step. It's time to hunker down. Much of that pathway, much of that pattern and ritual of hurricane preparedness is an effort to tend to ourselves and our own households. It kind of accompanies the mentality that if everyone would take care of themselves, then everyone would be taken care of, right? But even in this sort of household-level preparedness, we still work together and we still tend to one another. We have friends who are out of town, and when the storm crept up on us, we offer to drain their pool, perhaps put up their shutters, or hide away all their lawn furniture. We check the neighborhood for elderly and widows and those who just need a helping hand. We remember the phrase, many hands make light work, and so we help each other out. We may even ask a friend or a family to join us for a day or maybe even two days until the storm passes. Another family makes a full house, it's true, 
but also brings a little bit of light and joy to a home that's been dimmed by shutters. I think that in this well-trodden routine of hurricane preparedness, we know how to care for our own households. And at the same time, we truly know what it is to lift up our eyes and see how our efforts to take care of our home could be also used to care for the households that are around us. We know how to do this. But when the storm hits, the time comes when we need to close the final shutters, close the door, and focus our attention on our household. The thing is, this works. It works for about one night as the hurricane spins about us. Because we know that the next day we get to go outside, walk in our neighborhood, and assess the damage, re-engage our community around us in genuine love and care. But let me ask you this. What if the hurricane swirls for days? What if it swirls for weeks and then months and then perhaps even a year? When we canceled celebration service today, I was talking to Joyce Rep about how to put the announcement on the website. And I mean, we've done this before. We know how to put up a hurricane warning and cancellation. We just put that red banner at the top of the website, on the top of the page there. And of course, we take it down after a day or two and maybe put up another warning of encouragement and a reminder to check in on neighbors. And the problem is, these days, that banner slot's already taken. We have a banner, and it's been up there for five months already. What kind of emergency banner is at the top of a website for five months? It's the pandemic. What I want to do is spend just a few moments comparing the hurricane to the pandemic. Uh, Maybe spend some time comparing, contrasting how we prepare, how we walk through, and then how we clean up from a hurricane emergency with how we prepare, walk through, and clean up after a pandemic. It seems like the stages are actually very similar. We begin with preparations. It's it's kind of exciting, even though it's mixed with fear as the hurricane is out there somewhere and it's getting bigger. We think through and we plan and we try to consider all the things that we need to do. And if we're honest, We like being helpful. We like being engaged in our community. We like checking up on our neighbors, sending texts to those who might need help and asking how we can engage with them. It feels exciting because we feel a sense of community. We even feel like we know what to do here. Now compare that to COVID. I remember the excitement But I also remember the way it was mixed with fear back in March when we were all reading all the articles that we could get our hands on. We watched charts and transmission rates, much like we would watch a hurricane tracker, where weathermen would repeat the phrase, hunker down, now they repeat the phrase, flatten the curve. We were checking in on everyone, and we were writing articles and inventing new ways to check in on each other and help each other out. Then, after all of that preparation, we prepared to weather the storm. 
where hurricanes come with the mandatory evacuations, COVID came with its shutdowns and its quarantines. There seemed to be this point probably somewhere in late March, maybe early April, that we began to hunker down. We felt like we'd done all that we could in our community, and we began to insulate our households for the days ahead. We even put a banner at the top of the website announcing a plan for the next days, maybe the next weeks. But here's the thing, much like that short period when the shutters are up and the door is closed and the winds swirl and the rains rage, we sheltered in place and we flattened the curve. But in the case of COVID, the eye didn't seem to move on. It wobbled a bit, but it didn't really go away. Even this morning, the pandemic seems to be raging on around us. Our instruments don't seem to be properly calibrated to tell if this is a Cat 1 or a Cat 5. In fact, that's be- it's become a whole new storm that's swirling in our midst that we are arguing and bickering and raging a bit ourselves about how bad it really is out there. We just don't have instruments to predict this sort of thing. But at this point, as we prepared for hurricanes, we just don't know how to weather the storm of a pandemic. I'm beginning to think that it comes down to this. We don't know how to live with the shutters up and the doors closed this long. 24 hours? I mean, maybe. But six months, a half a year, maybe longer? We don't have any idea. I'm wondering if now is the time to take a look outside and assess some of the damage and consider how we can engage with what's going on. I'll be honest, show my cards just a little bit here, share maybe some of my own personal opinion. I don't think that we're close to the end of COVID. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Now, I know there are those who disagree, and that really is okay. But, If I'm right, and we're going to be stuck in this sort of weather the storm phase for quite a while before it moves on to the assess the damage and the cleanup phase, I just want to express, in a hurricane, it's okay to put up the shutters, close the door, hunker down for one night, and care for our own households there. That can be a posture for maybe 24 hours, though even then we should be in constant prayer. But that just can't be our posture as believers for six months. I'm trying to put this image in our minds. It's the image that we really are in a storm rages on sort of moment in history. Now that I've got that image in your minds, I want to quickly share a similar situation in the history of the people of Israel. The book of Habakkuk begins with these words. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. He continues in the next verse. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. Clearly, this is a shutters up sort of moment for the people of Israel. A hunker down and endure the storm. Not only is Israel in an absolute mess of unrighteousness, 
But Habakkuk is just about to get word from the Lord of an invading force that's going to sweep across Israel like a mighty torrent. The Chaldeans, those renowned for destruction, are that storm. What are the righteous to do when the storm comes? How will the people of God weather the storm? And the answer is faith. That is God's word for God's people in Habakkuk 2.4. The righteous shall live by his faith. Now I take us to Habakkuk for this reason. It's a book that starts with preparation and moves very quickly to the step of weathering the storm. But it's a book that doesn't really move on from there. It's a book that doesn't get to the cleanup phase. It stays right where we are, where we find ourselves today. Listen to how the book closes with these famous words of encouragement and emboldening from Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the field yield no fruit, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. We live in the season when the shutters are still up. We don't really know how bad it is out there or how bad it's going to get. We don't know how many trees are down or how long the electric is going to be out. But if we go outside and find that the fig tree simply won't blossom, that there is no fruit on the vine, that there's no produce, grain, or livestock in the field. It is truly a disaster. Even then, one thing remains. Joy in the Lord and in his salvation. I'm reminded of Jesus' words when he's in the wilderness. He acknowledges that even though he hasn't eaten for 40 days, And he can't eat the bread that Satan offers him. He says in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying the same thing that he said to Habakkuk. The righteous shall live by his faith. Brothers and sisters, I simply want to offer you this and pray that you would be encouraged and emboldened by this. It's time that we flex our faith in the midst of trouble. It's time that we exercise, leverage, and live by faith. The kind of faith that James speaks of, the kind of faith that transforms to the core of our lives so that it can be seen on the surface of our lives. Again, it's one thing to remain hidden in our homes and to care for our household for 24 hours while a hurricane passes. But it's another thing to take that same sort of posture as if it were some sort of new normal. It doesn't matter if it's a hurricane, a pandemic, or an invading army. 
the righteous are not called to hide, but to live. And the life we're called to live is a life we receive by grace through faith. It's a life transformed by grace through faith. A life that by clinging to faith, clings to the joy of the Lord, rejoicing in his salvation and walking in faith-filled obedience to his way. I'm reminded of Galatians 6, 9, where it tells us, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. May the faith that unites us to the hope in salvation also unite us to perseverance in generosity. Galatians continues, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's time to figure out how to be faithful in making disciples while still in an emergency, hunker-down sort of situation. It's time to figure out how to be zealous for evangelism when so much of our minds are preoccupied by weathering the storm. It's time to open our homes to others, even if that means setting up canopies in our driveways. It's time to discover what genuine Christian hospitality looks like. Perhaps it's a time to realize that it doesn't always mean opening our homes, but rather opening our lives. Who are the small group of people you are willing to risk drawing near to? Who are the people that you could actually meet with have coffee on a front porch with, meet over lunch with? Who are the one or two households that you can meet and watch the live stream on Sunday with and then pray together? Who would you be willing to read the Bible with, even if that means grabbing a few moments on FaceTime over breakfast in the morning? Now, I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know. I don't know what to suggest for you. I don't know what you're already doing, but I am sure that whatever it is, it will be birthed by a renewed and emboldened faith in the Lord, rejoicing in his salvation, not becoming weary, but as we have opportunity, walking in the good that the Lord has prepared for us to walk in. It's time to remember that the believer is both a realist and an optimist. The word gives us categories for both lament and for hope, that we can truly mourn with those who mourn, that we can truly enter into suffering and prepare for the realities of this world while still calling ourselves and others to take refuge in the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for Cross Point Coast that you would show us what it looks like as a people who have been redeemed by your grace in the pressing onslaught of this world, a people who have been redeemed by grace by the pressing onslaught of our own sin and temptation, that you would also show us what it looks like to live by faith in this world, clinging to your grace moment by moment. 
Teach us, Lord, how to walk. Help us to be creative as we are faithful to walk in what you have given to us, this mission of making disciples, this mission of pointing one another and our community to Jesus. And in all of that mission that we would be informed and transformed by your good news, people truly of hope, Thank you, Lord. We trust you that you will continue to teach us how to be your faithful church. In the name of Jesus, the object of our faith, the foundation of our hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to spend just a few moments. It's a few moments that we have remaining Uh, Just walking through prayer. I'm going to read, pray uh, the words of uh, the Lord's Prayer. And as we do, I'm going to simply read the words, begin in prayer, and then just leave a short pause. And I would love it if just right there on your couches or in front of your computers or wherever you are that you're watching this, that you would simply spend just a few moments in prayer. Pray out loud with your household and others that are with you. Pray out loud if you're alone and speak to the Lord. Let us simply spend just a few moments in prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, you are the Holy One. We pray to you because you are the one who is omnipotent. You are the one who is omniscient. You are able and you are wise. So Lord, hear our prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, we submit ourselves in faith to your will, your good news, your gospel, your grace, that you are the one who works. And we stand upon the foundation of your will by faith. Give us this day our daily bread. Heavenly Father, today we confess that we are dependent upon you today. No matter what preparations we've made in the past, no matter what preparations we've made for the future, today we are dependent upon your providence. And so we ask you for your provision. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
Heavenly Father, we confess that we are a people of unclean lips and we dwell among a people of unclean lips. Lord, we are a people in need of grace and a people who need to make your grace known. I pray that you would show us how those two realities are linked as we confess to you and as we walk in grace toward others, pointing them to the grace that we've received in you. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Holy Father, we are dependent upon you not only for our daily bread, but that you who have declared us righteous by the righteousness of Christ would make us righteous on that same foundation by your spirit and by your word. Lord, guard us against what is in us and what is around us. Fill us with your spirit that we might walk according to you. This morning we confess that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So in you is our hope. We cling to the gift of your grace and we walk in the gift that you have given us of faith this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us, loving your church, providing for us in every way, above all things, providing for us yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I hope that this morning has been of encouragement to you, that we would remember the word that we have heard from 1 Peter, that we would remember a bit of this illustration, and I do pray that it would serve you, that we would remember the call to walk by faith, that our hope is in what the Lord would do by his grace for us, and we cling to his grace by faith. And in that hope, we can rejoice even if we live in a storm-raging-on sort of moment. And I pray that as we go, we would go knowing that the Lord is with us. He loves his people. He's gathered us and made us his people. And so, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and be gracious to you, lifting his face upon you and giving you his peace. Amen? Now go and be the church.